most exciting, the most compelling, the sport with the most energized fans, by far, football. Some call it soccer, and this show lives and breathes it. Welcome to the Saucy Football Breakdown. We'll dive deep into the world of soccer, bring you bite-sized stories that bring you closer to the strategy, the tactics, and behind-the-scenes narratives that shape the game. Discussions, debates, opinions, scouting, analytics and a perspective beyond common sense and what meets the eye. Let's do it. Welcome in to the Saucy Football Breakdown. And now your host, Michael Nance. Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Saucy Football Breakdown podcast where, you know, I'm going to explore the world of football and delve into some of the most captivating stories that shape the beautiful game that we all love. Yep, it's me. I'm your host, Michael. And today we have a very fascinating topic to discuss, and that is this David De Gea contract mess saga, if you will, at Manchester United. But to me, it's a tale of trust, patience, and basically an evolution of a club's perspective of their players. So let's picture this. It's the media suite at the Brentford Community Stadium. Manchester United's new manager, Eric Ten Hag, faces a barrage of questions after a beatdown of a 4-0. One particular reporter keeps asking the same kinds of questions about David De Gea and whether he fits into the manager's tactical plans. Ten Hag responds confidently. He says that De Gea's ability in training and early games is good, but soon that narrative that we're talking about here takes a real turn. In the next match against Liverpool, Ten Hag seems to compromise, opting for a safer approach. It becomes very obviously apparent that De Gea's instructions lean more towards playing longer balls and avoiding risky moments inside their own penalty area. And this compromise hints at some overshadowing desire, and it's really a sign that De Gea's suitability in Ten Hag's plans and his tactics is just suboptimal. It's not the kind of keeper that he wants. As we're looking into modern football, we are absolutely noticing a trend of all playing goalkeepers being a priority. But you know what? Let's take a quick step back and understand the context here. When Ten Hag got to Manchester United, his immediate priority was upgrading the team in central defense, midfield, and wide positions. While he would have liked a new goalkeeper, the Hayers' 375k a week contract, that albatross of a wage and the challenge of finding a suitable replacement really made that a complex decision for him to have to make. Ken Hag, like many elite coaches, believed in his ability to develop players. It's why he was hired in the first place, in my opinion. He saw potential in De Gea and observed the goalkeeper's willingness to learn during training sessions, 
which is a very good skill for a guy who's on those wages to have, because frankly, being paid that doesn't necessarily scream to you anyway that you need to learn how to do new things. However, though, on the field, De Gea sometimes resembled like an older person struggling with new technology. And that's a mismatch between his skills and the demands of modern football. Again, the more and more that we get into the future of football, you are going to see the emergence of ball-playing goalkeepers going forward. Most people like to start the attack from the goalkeeper. He's got to come out and get involved in the game. And that's not a skill De Gea has. Now, despite not seeking an immediate upgrade in goal, Manchester United decided against triggering an option to extend De Gea's contract until 2024. Instead, they believed it would be financially wiser for De Gea, then 32 years old, to accept a smaller package if he wished to remain at the club. Months of negotiations followed, but sources close to the club insist that no contract was formally offered to De Gea because tactically he did not fit their plans. There was a fleeting moment when all parties seemed close to an agreement only for United to present De Gea with reduced contract terms. By the end of June, both sides agreed that it was time to naturally just part ways. You know what, though, everybody's coming out, fans, pundits, everybody's questioning Manchester United's handling of a player who spent 12 years at the club and who won the Player of the Season Award four times. So he's a staple of Manchester United, and he was very key and integral to what they do. But also, let's consider the chain of events that led to this point. When De Gea joined United in 2011, he required nurturing, and patience. Like, he hadn't been an angel, and he hadn't been as good as his best in a really long time. Over the years, United granted him some special treatment, rewarding his outstanding performances, and they even tolerated his attempts to secure transfers. De Gea was a special footballer who, by all accounts, merited the club's trust. However, Contractual issues arose twice in De Gea's career. Y'all remember in 2015, he ran down his deal when he wanted to secure a move to Real Madrid that ultimately fell through. And then he received a big pay raise on top of that just to stay at United. Then again, four years later in 2019, with only a year left on his deal, he secured another significant wage increase despite a noticeable dip in form. So, you know, the club has been good to him. So I don't know if people have been harsh to United about how this is all shaken out, but it's clear they've been on his side. United's overpayment for De Gea's declining skills created a challenge for managers like Solskjaer and Ten Hag, limiting their options. Even after costly errors in crucial matches, De Gea remained the number one choice under Ten Hag primarily due to the lack of high-quality backups. However, the realization eventually set in that the time for change had come. I remember just uh, maybe a couple seasons ago when we saw a lot more Henderson, a lot more Dean Henderson coming out there and people wondering why De Gea had fell out of favor 
But this is why. This tactically is why. He's just a shoe on the wrong foot at this point. That doesn't mean he doesn't have talent, but it's clear that tactically what Ten Hag is trying to do, the head just straight up don't fit. So is it fair to blame Manchester United for the way this played out? Perhaps not entirely. Football clubs and managers should be allowed to adapt based on evidence and performance. Ten Hag's view evolved as De Gea's limitations became more and more apparent, and that affected the team's style and prospects. The club's crime, if any, lies in not recognizing the need for action sooner. So yeah, financially rewarding his seeking transfers and his declining performance with bigger and bigger increased wages is definitely the crime that the club committed that they have to own up to. Now, Manchester United finds themselves in pursuit of a new goalkeeper, Andre Onana, who Ten Hag previously trained at Ajax. The departure of De Gea, once seen as an untouchable figure, signals a shift in the club's approach where no player is guaranteed a place solely based on past achievements. And I just have one thing to say. Duh, <laughs> you got to get the right coach in with some backbone who's not afraid to let overpaid, maybe not overpaid, but highly paid dudes ride the bench if they're not cutting the mustard. While it may seem harsh, though, this change benefits the broader prospects of Manchester United, the club. It opens up new opportunities for the club to evolve and adapt. And obviously, you know, the ultimate goal is which is to be able to compete at the highest levels of world football. And that brings us to the end of today's episode. I hope you enjoyed diving into this saga. I hope I could really put the puzzle pieces in place with this De Gea contract mess. Now, it's a reminder that even in the world of football, where loyalty and tradition play a significant role, evolution is necessary for success. Now, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this topic. How do you feel about Manchester United's handling of the situation? How do you believe it was the right decision to part ways with the hair? Share your opinions with me on all my socials. Link will be in the show notes. Again, don't forget to follow me on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever your favorite podcasting platform is so you never miss one of these episodes that I upload. And until next time, I'll catch y'all later. Peace. You've been listening to the Saucy Football Breakdown. Let's face it, soccer is the biggest sport on the planet right now. And it's our passion to bring you closer to the game. Soccer stories, tactics, behind the scenes, analytics, team building, scouting. We've got it all. We hope you've enjoyed the show. Make sure to like, rate, and review. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube at Saucy Breakdown. 